You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome into another edition of the Testudo Times Podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ostry alongside Dylan Spilko and Lauren Roche. We have a lot to get to today with Maryland basketball. They're in the midst of a three-game losing streak. The record is 8-7, and seven, and they are 0-4 in the Big Ten for the first time since this, this century. And it's been a very long time since they've gone 0-4 in conference play, and it's never happened in, since they joined the Big Ten um, in 2014. So there's a lot to get to. Since our last podcast, um, Maryland's lost to Illinois and then Wisconsin in both games, which has been a theme for them all season. Maryland got down big early, and they had to crawl their way back. Big comebacks late in the first half, into the second half but then they couldn't finish the job. Let's start with that Illinois game. Maryland um, went down early. They stormed all the way back to lead at halftime, 34 to 30. And a big theme was that was that Kofi Cockburn, Maryland's, um, I mean, excuse me, Illinois' big man, who's obviously one of the most dominant big men, not just in the conference, but in the entire country. He was off the floor for much of that first half because of foul trouble. And that allowed Maryland to attack the paint. They didn't have to worry about that rim presence. Their defense was much better without having to worry about Kofi and obviously Illinois can't shoot as well, but they don't have Kofi creating, creating for them. So that was a big story in the first half that allowed Maryland to take that lead in the second half. That wasn't much of a problem. He was on the floor and he was incredibly dominant. Um, he finished with 23 points and 18 rebounds. It didn't really matter who you had on him, whether it's Kudus Wahab, Julian Reese, the freshman or Dante Scott, anyone who took a turn on him, really didn't have much success. Kudus Wahab and Julian Reese both fouled out that game. So what were your impressions from that game, and, and how would you evaluate the first half compared to the second half? Well, I think it was just a lot of the Kofi show. I think it was the same idea that we saw with Keegan Murray, where you just have a player kind of taking over. And, and kudos to them, but Maryland's got to find a way to stop or at least you know, contain an opposing star player, but they just haven't been able to do so. And you mentioned the differences in between, between the first half and the second half, and they were just so glaring. I mean, you look at the first half, and Coburn plays, he was eight minutes. It's like he wasn't even on the floor, and Maryland's spacing, it's like they were able to work it inside, they were able to work it outside. Maryland's big men still weren't really able to get the job done in the first half or the second half, and I'm sure we'll get to them later. But the, the team just looked a lot better. And, but of course they get off to one of their classic slow starts. That's very typical. I'm pretty much expecting that every game at this point, and we haven't seen anything different uh, 15 games through the season. So, but you saw when Coburn was out that Illinois looks like a completely different team, despite the depth that they have, but Maryland was able to execute uh, on offense to a much greater extent. And, you know, it was just when Coburn came back in, in that second half, you could just see him just absolutely dominate everywhere on the floor. They were just force-feeding him the ball inside, and rightfully so. If you have a player like Kofi Coburn, I don't blame you for trying to get him the ball in every single possession. In the second half, he played every single minute, and he had 15 rebounds in that second half alone. He ended with 18 on the day, and Maryland ended with 27 rebounds as a team. So Maryland only out-rebounded Kofi Coburn by nine rebounds. And if you just were to look at that stat alone, you could probably guess that Maryland isn't going to keep that game within single digits. And that just happened to be the case. And also another continuing trend in addition to the slow starts is letting that one player on 
their opposing team kind of go off and have a night, whether that's a career high night, 20 plus point night, rebound night, whatever the case may be. And that kind of continued against Illinois. And you see the difference that in this Maryland team when they don't have, when there isn't that player who's kind of exploding. And it's if they could find a way to kind of stop that number one player on the team, whoever that may be. I mean, we saw it in Iowa with Keegan Murray. We saw it in non-conference play when they were playing Vermont, GW, all these players consistently, this kind of consistent theme of continuing to put up um, just kind of big points um, being fed by all the players on the team. So when Kofi wasn't on the floor, Maryland didn't have to compete with that. And it seems like they really struggle competing with that. And if Kofi wasn't in foul trouble, I don't know how close this game necessarily would have been if Maryland would have been able to kind of claw their way back in uh, solely based on the fact that they did dig themselves into this hole. And they seem to struggle a bit kind of shutting down some of um, their opponent's key players. But when you look kind of, I know we'll get more into the Wisconsin game a little bit later, but maybe Johnny Davis didn't go off and have like the team high points, but you know, Tyler Wall doesn't instead. So like they do kind of struggle to shut uh, these top scorers down and make it difficult. Danny Manning had mentioned following Illinois that, you know, he, this is good practice for the team. And ultimately what going up against these shooters does is allow them to try and figure out how do we just hold them to kind of having below average nights and average below average, really just not going off. And they've really been struggling to do that. But I think it's something that maybe with a little bit more development and practice kind of developing Julian a little bit more as a player, maybe Q kind of finding his footing a little bit more in this Maryland um, defense, offense, whatever the case may be, that they might be able to counteract that. But for now, like Maryland just really needs to find ways to hold these top scores to their averages or below their averages rather than allowing them to kind of drive those numbers up, whether that's rebounding or shooting. And it really seems to be the shooting that's been getting Maryland recently. Yeah. And you know, this isn't just like against Illinois, who Maryland will face later this year. This isn't just against um, Iowa when Keegan Murray went off, and we'll talk about Wisconsin, like you said, Johnny Davis, who wasn't, who didn't go off, but he's still still a solid performance. But this is all around the Big Ten. You know, this is a common theme where it's the most talented conference, it's the deepest conference, and there are so many different weapons each night. No matter what team, if you're playing one of the best teams in the conference, you're playing a middle pack team. No matter what team you're playing, there's so many weapons that you need to be aware of. And, you know, to to try to handle them, especially like a big man like like Kofi Cockburn, um, you know, they haven't done a great job with that. We'll get to the Wisconsin game in a little bit. But, you know, there's so many more matchups coming up and and like against Purdue, they're going to play, you know, Hunter Dickinson on, on, on Michigan, Trace Jackson Davis on Indiana, uh, EJ Little. There's so many guys like all over the conference where they're just going to have to contain and. Keem Hart, like he's, I think he's the best perimeter defender on the team and they want to put him on the team. Dante Scott hasn't shown to be a great perimeter defender. He has gotten better as a post defender because he had to do that a lot last season. But when he's going against these quick guards and has to move his feet a lot, he hasn't shown to be great. But Akeem Hart has become a very good defender and he's the guy that, that's going to be the primary defender on these star players on the other team. But it's still so tough to defend them. So is that like a problem that you see going forward when there's every matchup they're going to have virtually, maybe not tonight against Northwestern, but most matchups they're going to have, they're going to have one of the best players in the entire country who's going to be close to an All-American or consideration for an All-American. They're going to have to go against them. And like, how are they going to counteract that? Because they haven't been able to stop stars yet. Yeah. I mean, they haven't been able to stop stars, but the real issue with Maryland hasn't been the starting play, it really has, like, if you just look at the game against Illinois, 
four of your five starters are in double figures. Russell, Hakeem Hart each ended with 11. Ayala with 16. Scott with 17. All of them shot fairly well besides Russell, who shot four of 11, which is not too solid. But they're all putting in 33 to 35-plus minutes on the floor for Maryland. And the starters just haven't really been the issue. If you, if you look at the starting lineup, they have their moments, they have their spurts, and they're able to keep the team in the game. But it's, it's usually the depth that has been really halting Maryland's momentum at some points and against Wisconsin that shifted a little. But for the most part, it's really been the, the big men down low, Julian Reese and Kudus Wahab, that have struggled to get things going offensively. And against teams that have so much depth in the Big Ten that have just about any, anybody on the floor that can put the ball in the hoop, if you fall behind for just a few minutes, that could really seal the game. And that's what happened in this Illinois game when Maryland virtually kept it close and held the lead and were going back and forth throughout the entire game. And then it took a, a three to four minute spurt for Illinois to just say, just take advantage at home. And sometimes that's all it takes in the big 10. And it's, it's worrying moving forward because this team has not been able to close out games late. And there are plenty of teams in the big 10 that can close out games late. So Maryland's going to have a lot of problems moving forward, but I think it's more of a trickle-down effect in, with how the stars play and then how the starting five has to match how those stars play and then the depth can't really pick up the slack in the end. So it, it's just like a whole set of problems for, for the team right now. Yeah, kind of just two points on that, just to play off of the slow start thing. You know, Maryland's players have been a little bit more consistent in the numbers that they're ending with. But again, how they're getting there isn't like they're putting, it's not like they're playing like that at that consistent level all game. It's happening late in the game when they've kind of already dug themselves into a hole. And the, it's just so interesting to me that these last few games have been so close considering how slow Maryland has come out. And it just, I think part of that gives you a little bit of hope for this Maryland team because it's like, well, maybe if they can adjust quicker when they get onto the court and just kind of start strong, maybe these games are closer, but in Maryland's favor, or maybe they're not close at all. And somehow Maryland puts together the pieces to start winning some of these games by larger margins. But when you look at the star players in the big 10, it's not even about them going up against the players that are collecting all the accolades and the top scorers on every team. When you look at when Maryland last played Northwestern, Pete Nance had an incredible game. And I remember when we were sitting there and we were watching, it was, it was constantly him getting the ball and he ended with 17 points and he's not averaging anywhere near 17 points right now. I think he's averaging 10, 11 points per game and he he's not the top scorer on the team, but Maryland consistently, if it's not the top player, they're letting someone else kind of explode and he's pretty close towards the top, but it's kind of, for me, the really interesting thing to see is how much this Maryland team has learned to adjust and will learn to adjust from its mistakes and especially because they have the opportunity to play these Big Ten opponents, many of them multiple times this season, to kind of maybe redeem themselves. And this is the first game where they can kind of do that. Of course, when they were going through the Northwestern game, they were experiencing a lot of emotion and a lot of intangibles with, you know, kind of going through the coaching change and the emotion behind that. But also when you look, they now have the ability to say, see if this is the game where they can bounce back and maybe Pete Nance isn't having that kind of game where he's putting up a double-double or whatever the case may be. And he's done so. I think he's had some pretty impressive games against some of the tougher opponents in the conference as well. But I think it'll be interesting to kind of see to um, when Maryland plays Northwestern, the kind of indicator of if they are able to make those adjustments, whether that's 
the adjustments from the last couple games and, you know, finally come out um, strong and matching the other team's energy or the other teams kind of go back and forth in terms of scoring or pull away early, but also to see kind of how they can control players who have let that, who they've let kind of pull away throughout the game, how they can readjust and kind of stop them going forward. Yeah. And about the close, I mean, the slow starts thing, you know, like, it's, there's no like easy fix to that. And like when you ask Danny Manning, like people have, because it's obviously it's been a problem for, for a bunch of games now, like there is no easy fix to it. But I, I think something that you see, whether they're at home or on the road, it really hasn't been much different, you know, and sometimes when you're on the road, you can like, account for those slow starts because it's just, they're going to have the other teams have the more energy, but obviously the exhibition center has not been what it should be. And, and hopefully it gets back to that soon. If students return from winter break, but it's been pretty dead there for Maryland home games. But like whether it's at home or on the road, the slow starts are like because they're not coming out with a lot of energy. And, you know, it says a lot about them that they really never quit. Like we'll get to Wisconsin in a minute, but they were down 21 to Wisconsin and fought literally all the way back. So like that, that says a lot about about the fight and the resolve that this team has. And it's a group that's been through a lot of adversity with a lot of veteran leadership on the team. So it's not really surprising that they're not going to quit. But it, it does say a lot of them that they're doing that. But it's they're just they're, they're they're creating energy and and more with playing with more urgency once they go down big. You know that can't really happen. They need to come out right from the gates with all that energy when they're playing a team that's better than them and, and more talented than them and favored in these games for a reason. So I don't I don't know if there's an easy fix to that, but I think it just starts with the energy that they're going to bring on both ends of the floor. You know you can't like if you're making shots or not that whether the shots are falling that's just something that it might happen it might not but you can control your energy every single time you're out on the floor. And that's something they need to come out with from immediately. Cause we see it as the game goes on, once they're in a hole and they have no choice, but they need to come out with that energy um, almost immediately. So, so now let's get to this. Um, unless you want to say something, Dale, now let's get to this Wisconsin game. Um, this was Illinois was last Thursday. Wisconsin was this previous Sunday, number 23, Wisconsin, Maryland opened up, as a one-point favorite, they were back at home. It was surprising because Wisconsin has been phenomenal this season. They're ranked for a reason. They're one of the teams to beat in the Big Ten, and that's obviously a big part because of their star, Johnny Davis, who was somewhat limited. But like we've talked about, Wisconsin went up huge. They went up 21 points, which is Maryland's largest deficit against anyone this season. And Maryland crawled all the way back to make it a seven-point game at halftime, and they took a lead in that second half, and it was really neck-and-neck neck for much of that second half until the very end um, – Wisconsin's up four. Um, Eric Ayala comes down, hits a three. Maryland fouls Wisconsin. They missed the first, missed the second on purpose. Maryland has a one-point lead, put up a half-court heave. It's, uh, to, it's not, obviously doesn't go in. Wisconsin comes away with a one-point victory. So what were your takeaways from that um, Wisconsin win over Maryland last Sunday? And it's, I think it just builds off that point with the slow starts. I think that's just what is ultimately killing Maryland. It's just because the, the ceiling of what you can do after a slow start is exactly what we saw against Wisconsin. It's that you fight all the way back. You eventually take some kind of lead, but it's not going to get much further than a, a, a five-point lead. And that's exactly what we saw. I mean, Maryland, credit to Maryland. They were able to, you could easily give up against a, a top 25 team in the nation getting you, they were borderline getting embarrassed on their home court 12 minutes into the game. The score was like 24 to eight or something, 24 to six. It was getting to a point where Maryland was coming down on one end and either turning the ball over or taking a contested shot. 
And to be the top 25 team, obviously, that's not going to get the job done. But Maryland fought all the way back. But what we're seeing is this you wrote, it, you wrote about it, Sam, in your takeaways, that there's a clear pattern to these games. And with this pattern, Maryland is just not ever going to go on a run where they have more than a five-point lead because there always seems to be a slow start that's hindering what they can do later on in the game. And then they're always just trying to claw back. And against a team like Wisconsin that is so good at closing out games, just like we saw, I mean, they were perfect on their free throws towards the end of the game. They didn't really allow Maryland to breathe or even come back into the game. And it didn't even take an off-balanced three-pointer from Eric Ayala with like four seconds left to give Maryland a chance. So it's just always coming down to these late games, but the slow starts are really just the main story of these losses because it's setting the tone for the entire game and it's setting the tone for how Maryland, like just, just the fact that they need to fight back in every game shouldn't be the case if they're going to want to win these big 10 games. And I think that's just the main takeaway from it all is that the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game are ultimately killing Maryland in the big 10. Yeah. And if you look at it from the players perspectives who have spoken after the games or um, Danny Manning's perspective after the games, which I don't so necessarily disagree with. It's that these kind of games though do show that Maryland is close to figuring this out and they are kind of at the precipice of, you know, figuring it out, but it's like, how close is, how long are you close for and kind of how long can they afford to be close for? But I do think that a game like the Wisconsin game does show that they're close. Again, I don't know how long they can afford to be close for without kind of figuring it out. But for, you know, someone like Eric Ayala to not have a single point in that first half and then all of a sudden come out and put up what, 19 points or whatever the case was to finish the game and like bring his team back into it. It's just, it shows the potential is there. I mean, these players are putting up these kind of games where, you know, the in the end, he puts up the points he's supposed to be putting up, but it's not being spread throughout the game in the sense where Maryland is kind of living with the momentum. Rather, you're 100% right, Dylan, that at a certain point, their run, they really can't take that high of a lead because they're already so um, there's already such a large deficit. So I think for Maryland, they, I do, I don't fully disagree with the players that they're not close or that they're close, whatever the case may be, because they're to have these close games against really challenging opponents, some of who they're going to have the opportunity to play again. It's again, it'll be interesting to see maybe this Northwestern game is the game where they finally turn things around and come out with the faster start and really change the tide a little bit and you know I guess it it split I guess split the series with Northwestern and whatever the case may be because I think that the was for me what the Wisconsin game showed me is when I was watching the first half I felt it was the exact same thing and we were at the exact same theme and how that's like a really negative aspect but it's the clawing back and I think that Coach Manning has used that term, clawing back into the game and going on these runs against challenging opponents and finding ways to infiltrate that just a little bit too late when the game is already a little too far out of their reach, even if they can build back and get close, is kind of promising. But again, this Achilles heel of this team is coming out slow at the beginning and really just not only coming out slow on offense, but just not being able to stop the other team when they're on defense. And I think 
again, very telling to see what's going to happen. But I do think they're close. I think the biggest question, though, is just how long are they going to be close for? I think they're close in the sense that they're not as bad as their record sets. You know, this team is more talented than their 0-4 start and an 8-7 and record through 15 games. Um, you know, there was an expectation on, on this team that they were definitely going to make the tournament, which seems unlikely now, which we'll get to, and that they were they potentially could make a deep run in the tournament. Obviously, that seems that would be an absolute miracle to happen at this point. So that's that. So they're not close to that, but they are close in like they're not a team that should be last place in the Big Ten right now. I think they're better than that. And a big problem was is it was um, that they really don't have a lot of depth on this team. That's something, Dylan, you brought up earlier and we saw throughout the season. But then in this Wisconsin game, Maryland outscored Wisconsin's bench 12 to 7, which is, is something that's pretty rare. Uh, for Maryland to outscore an opponent's bench. And that was mostly because of Xavier Green, who had an offensive explosion, had a career-high 10 points. He was knocking down threes. He loved shooting those long pull-up twos. He was making a couple of them against Wisconsin. So if he, if Maryland get that, um, that bench production, you know, I did think that that second half and really after those first 10 minutes against Wisconsin was a really great performance for Maryland against a very good Wisconsin team. But a lot of that was because of that bench production, they had 12 points off the bench, 10 from Xavier Green. Before this game, anytime they put rolled out an all-bench lineup with Ian Martinez, Xavier Green, and Julian Reese in the game together, that was it was really recipe for disaster. And, and I don't know their exact stats on their plus minus, but I can guarantee you it's not very good. Um, so I mean, what do you see from Maryland Xavier Green and Maryland's bench against Wisconsin? And how can that help them move forward, maybe get to this place where everyone's talking about are they close to finally closing out games? Well, in a meaningful game, I mean, that was probably the best that we've seen anybody besides Julian Reese play this season coming off the bench. I mean, Xavier Green, what was his previous season high? It must have been like three points. And I I wrote something like around after the Iowa loss, and Xavier Green had like 25 shots, attempted shots, in like 14 games. He attempted five in that game alone, and he went four or five. And some of them were open, but it makes sense if you're, if you're a team like Wisconsin that I'm sure reads the scouting report and sees that Xavier Green averaged like 1.3 points coming into the game. It's, it's understandable if you're going to leave him open for a shot, but it seems that uh, he finally gained some confidence shooting the ball, and he finished in double figures for the first time this season, played 27 minutes on the floor, uh, also had two steals. It was easily his best performance of the season. But with this team, it always seems like there's something neutralizing one, something neutralizes one thing and the other. And for example, Xavier Green's performance, his 10 point day doesn't really matter if Caduce Wahab and Julian Reese are shooting two for eight from the floor and getting six combined points because it's just one of them is going to cancel each other out and how it's going to affect this team. And it's, it's a good sign that Xavier Green had 10 points and he can start to be more of a factor, but Simon Wright, Ian Martinez, both with donuts on a combined 0 for 2 shooting, both both of those shots coming from Ian Martinez. And then Ian Martinez has not looked the same since that injury to Northwestern earlier in the season. He just hasn't been playing the same. He hasn't been hitting any kind of shots. He played just nine minutes. This bench is still extremely thin. It's probably going to stay that way. But Xavier Green is starting. It's a good sign that he's starting to heat up. But it's, there's just never been a point where everyone on the team is clicking at the same time. And until we see that, it's going to be really difficult to beat any kind of 
elite Big Ten team? Well, I think the thing that sometimes gets overlooked about Xavier Green, just because he does come off the bench and Maryland has a lot of other players who people are looking at, is he was a very consistent, solid player at Old Dominion where he transferred from. I mean, he, I'm pretty sure he was an 1,000-point scorer there and, you know, started for them pretty consistently um, during his last season there. And we hear a lot about his defense, and I think that he has been a a good defender for Maryland. And Akeem Hart talked a little bit about yesterday, just kind of um, uh, sparking off his energy when it comes to how he's grown as a defender. But when you look at Xavier Green's success in the past that he's had at the college level, playing at Old Dominion and really being a strong leader there, both offensively and defensively, it just shows the potential and kind of the – the Big Ten's a much tougher conference, but the ability that he may have to kind of impact this team coming off the bench, he could kind of be the person who is the um, energizer coming off. I think I agree, Dylan, that things kind of end up neutralizing out when Q and Julian kind of have these slower games or Ian Martinez and Simon Ryder coming into the game and really can't get anything going. Maybe that changes soon, maybe it doesn't, but whatever the case may be, I really think that for someone like Xavier Green, he has the potential, and he showed it against Wisconsin, against a very um, challenging Big Ten opponent, that he has the potential to kind of be this spark coming off the bench that maybe kind of looked like it could be Julian, and it could end up being both of them, and of course they play at different spots. But to have, you know, if Julian can kind of build up some of that consistency and if Xavier Green can kind of maintain this consistency, you know, coming into before this, having those season high three points, but then putting up 10, if he can keep it more consistent, if he's given the time, if he capitalizes on his minutes, I think that Maryland becomes a little bit more rounded. Again, there is a lack of depth here and that's just gonna, I don't think that changes much, but if you have Xavier Green and Julian coming off the bench and really playing to the level that both of them have the potential to, um, you know, even, even if Xavier Green is playing just like he played against Wisconsin or just around there, and you have Julian playing to his full potential, I think you have a much more rounded Maryland team and a better chance, they have a better chance at winning that way. Yeah, and, you know, when you talk about their big man situation, I think we kind of expected this to happen with um, Q. When, you know, he was he, he has nice touch, he has good forward, but he's not, not like a big presence down on the low block. Um, so when we saw him kind of have some big games earlier on this season against some lower level non-conference opponents, you kind of looked like maybe he can continue on this and build on this, but he really hasn't had to be able to have much success against Big Ten opponents, which you kind of could have predicted because big, the Big Ten is a ton of great big men. And it's really hard to score on those guys. It's hard to defend them on the low block. Um, so th- that's where I'm at with Q. In terms of Julian, I still I think he has a ton of raw talent and there's a ton of potential there. He, he struggled offensively, hasn't had a lot of scoring outbursts recently, but he's young and for him to get this experience against these great Big Ten big men, it's only going to help him in the future. And, you know, I just think that it's 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 important for him to get minutes too. And he can, he is someone that can extend the floor. So when Maryland wants to go a little more small, maybe play more perimeter ball than feed Q, that's something that Julian can do too. Because he, he hasn't hit a lot of them recently, but he is capable of knocking down that three ball. The last thing in Wisconsin game before we preview Northwestern, um, Eric Ayala was touched on briefly, obviously. He's been the really lone, consistent bright spot on this uh, Maryland team recently. 
he was struggling in the first half, didn't have a point in the first half, it was over five, and then he scored 19, yes, an efficient 19 in the second half, including that three at the very end of the game, which was the last bucket of the game, that almost maybe they could have came back from that. Obviously, they didn't end up coming back. What do you see? What have you been seeing from Eric Ayala recently? He was averaging 19 over his last um, six games or, or so, his five or six games. So he's been very consistent. Dante Scott's starting to play better too, but Eric Ayala has been the consistent scorer, and he's not at that 20-point mark yet in his recent games just in terms of his average but he is becoming way more consistent as a scorer but it really only happened in that second half against wisconsin when maryland came back so what have you seen from eric Ayala that's been promising is there anything you want to see more from him um i think it's a lot of his decisiveness i think since that florida game where he put up 19 points i the lowest he scored since then has been 16. i think with every shot he's taking he just he looks very confident and I think that has to do a lot with how the other starters are playing around him. When guys like Dante Scott and Hakeem Hart and Fats Russell are doing their thing on offense, it just allows Eric Ayala to do what he wants as well. But against Wisconsin, he, it seemed like he really wanted to be that guy in the second half. And Danny Manning said that after the game, that he just wanted to turn it on in that second half. And that's just what he did. In the second half alone, he went four for seven from three. He was the only person on Maryland to attempt more than one three in the second half he hit four of them that's and he was he was just leading on offense especially in a low scoring game uh, somewhat low scoring 70 to 69 with for Eric Ayala to get 19 points in that second half alone in 18 minutes just shows what he can do but we already knew what he can do but he was doing a good job of uh, taking it inside drawing contact he was getting, uh, he was taking a few contested shots and hitting them. He overall went six for 11 in the second half. I really liked his game. And a big important part of that, no turnovers in the second half for Eric Ayala. So when he's playing efficient like that, it gives Maryland a good chance to win the game. Ultimately, obviously Maryland, one point loss. Not much you can do on that last second heave that he had at the end that went nowhere near the hoop. But that, that was just good end game execution by Wisconsin. But if you're Maryland, that's, that's been one of the bright points in the last five or six games. It's been Eric Ayala. And I expect him to continue playing like he is. And it's not like earlier in the season when he was struggling, he was still attempting the, the same amount of shots per game that he, that he is now when he's playing hot. So he's just a player that's just going to play how he wants to play. And he's going to try to execute uh, in any way that he can. And against Wisconsin, it was clicking. Yeah, I'd say really what all Maryland is really missing from him in this very moment is just making sure he's, you know, just really looking at the Wisconsin game, I guess, is just making sure he's coming out with that kind of intensity that he has the ability to play with. And we've seen it, we've seen it before this season, but especially seeing it at the end of Wisconsin. And he is someone who everyone on the team has spoken about being a leader and he's been at Maryland the longest and he definitely seems to possess a lot of leadership qualities and like many of them do he seems to lead by example so I think if he comes out with a lot of energy and he's really kind of instilling that within that team early on whether he's getting hot early or whatever the case may be the rest of the team is kind of going to follow suit and play off his momentum so he's been I think a really big bright spot for this Maryland team and if he can kind of come out early that could be a game changer for Maryland. Yeah so Maryland now moves to eight and seven, like we talked about. Zero and four in the Big Ten. They'll have an opportunity to get their first Big Ten win tonight against Northwestern. Before we preview that Northwestern matchup, like this Maryland season and team feels, feel, it, to me, it feels like it's over. 
Um, I said in this three game stretch against Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, I thought they were going to maybe go one and two. If they didn't win any of these games, it felt like they have virtually no shot of making the NCAA tournament, um, which would have been preposterous to say two months ago. But that's that's where this team is at. And you really feel for a lot of these guys like Eric Ayala. He he gives it his all every single night like we were just talking about. But, you know, he's a senior on this team. He has an extra year of eligibility because of the COVID eligibility waiver. But who knows if we'll take it up at Maryland with a new coach? Probably not. But, you know, you really feel for him because he wanted his Maryland moment this year where to do something special in, in one of these tournament games to make his mark. That's Russell Kane. And this is certainly not in his last year of eligibility for college basketball. This is certainly not the season he expected to have or how everything is taking place with, with Turgeon leaving. So, and you feel for a lot of these guys who had a ton of hope and a ton of expectation about the season. But I, I don't know where you guys are at with this, but it, it feels like Maryland has virtually no shot of turning this thing around with the difficult Big Ten schedule they have coming up the rest of the season. And just to try to make the tournament, I know they were at a similar place last year. They started one and five in the Big Ten, but this feels very different with everything they've gone through this year and just their schedule going forward. They don't have a back-to-back against Nebraska um, like they did last year. And like even those Rutgers matchups where they played twice, Rutgers are a very good team. Um, so I, just to me, it feels like this season has, has kind of become a lost cause. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that tonight. But where are you guys at on that? I think it's just turned into a point where I think it's, it's this, this Northwestern game will determine if this season is done or not. Because it's just like if you don't beat teams that are somewhat near you in skill level, or near you in the standings, then it's over. Because these are the games that, like, it's, it's turned into maybe they can drop one and two at the start of Big Ten play into if you lose games against teams like Northwestern, Rutgers, Penn State, if you lose any of those games from this point on, it's, it's done. I mean, it, it's pretty much as simple as that. If you lose to teams that are in the lower half of the Big Ten and maybe they scrape away some, some wins against some stronger Big Ten teams at home, but it's, it's really difficult to envision that the season is going to turn around at any point. But then again, sports, you never know. Things happen. Sports. But yeah, sports. Sports in general. Crazy thing. But right now, it's just it's not looking too good for this team. And I, I, it's just I would say it's something that I live by when watching sports. If, I don't, like, if you don't see it happen, it's probably just not going to happen in the future. And Maryland just can't get it done against Big Ten teams. And if they don't go 2-0 and against Northwestern and Rutgers in the next two games, you can throw away those NCAA postseason hopes. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree that they really have to win these next two games, but I feel, I, I feel relatively confident that they'll be able to do it and that that could be kind of a turning point for them. I mean, again, that they'd only have two wins in conference play at that point, but The one thing about this team that I really don't think that people can necessarily dispute with fact, at least, is that they, this Maryland team really hasn't given up and you would think they would almost, I mean, they, like you mentioned, there are a lot of players who are here for their last year of eligibility. I mean, you look at Fats Russell and Xavier Green who transfer into the program to maybe help bring something in different roles and Eric Ayala who comes back and wants that senior moment and you know all these players who come back to this program because they wanted to do something and of course when they came in they thought they were doing it with Turgeon and things kind of changed in the middle of the season but despite things or at the beginning of the season but despite thing despite 
things changing, Maryland really didn't throw in the towel and kind of had that shining light against um, Florida, albeit that be a while back now. And, you know, what picked up two wins against teams that they were supposed to beat in, of course, Lehigh and then Brown, and now has gotten off to this rocky start in conference play. And I think that the one thing about that is despite them losing those games, it's not like they've lost in a way where they've given up. I mean, the whole point of these, the whole reason these games have been close is because they start out slow and then they don't give up at the end and kind of, they have a fire within them and just kind of try and figure out a way to get it done, but can't. And for some reason, I just think that they're not going to start giving up now. And because of that, I think that they're going to pick up a couple wins that definitely, I think they're going to hopefully for their sake, kind of pick up the wins that they're supposed to, but also maybe surprise a couple people and pick up wins they're not supposed to here and there, because that's just, that's the nature of this. That's the nature of um, college basketball, but also the nature of the big 10. I think these teams are going to beat each other up and maybe somehow somewhere Maryland finds that kind of space, that sliver, that crack and figures out how to do it. But I agree if Maryland drops these back-to-back games to Northwestern and Rutgers, that picture becomes a lot more blurry kind of looking forward. But if they do win these games, I think that they, I think that, you know, postseason hopes can potentially still be alive for them. And I do think that it's not impossible, especially given the fact that they haven't given up and now they have the chance to not give up about, uh, not give up against two opponents who are definitely more in their range and definitely more in their kind of um, radius of teams that they could defeat more easily. Yeah, I don't think the players are going to give up. And you see that on the court. I don't think the coaching staff is going to give up. But everyone else around the Maryland program, the fan base has absolutely given up on the season. The administration, it's in, it's not they haven't given up, I'm saying, but it's a transition year. Like this is a transition year for Maryland. That's how everyone's looking at it. And that's why there's not a lot of hope for the rest of the season. Everyone around the program knows this coaching staff who is still recruiting, credit to them. I don't know what parent would ever put any stock in that because not a single person on that bench is going to be here next year in terms of the coaching staff, but most likely. But the most of the players aren't going to be here. So everyone surrounding the program is looking at it in terms of, a transition year and they're just like this is a down year for maryland basketball it's it's a transition and we're hoping next season and the future whoever that coach is can can bring hope and joy back to the the maryland basketball program so the players aren't going to think about that obviously but everyone else surrounding the program and i think you're seeing that a lot with the attendance at the xfinity center um is you know that's that's the feel surrounding the program like their postseason hopes yes you're right like we've seen crazier stuff in big 10 play but um their postseason hopes seem like they're not completely dead but it, it would be an absolute like miracle shot for them to win um to, to really get there you know northwestern which we'll get to right after this <laughs> but previewing that matchup that's more than a winnable game even though they're underdogs Rutgers is a good team it'll play twice within four game span and they're they're gonna get michigan next week who seemed like a daunting task when it was originally on the schedule but now that seems like a very winnable game especially because it's probably a michigan team that'll be probably be the first game off a of long COVID pause um against maryland next tuesday so, you know, and but then the rest of their schedule is just so tough. They play Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa again, um, Indiana twice. 
Ohio State again later on. You know, it's just it's such that's it's not that this team can't turn it around. And I think you will see them after this Wisconsin game with with a good last 30 minutes of that Wisconsin game, you're going to see this team play better. But it's more that the schedule they have in front of them is so difficult for them to turn this around and make a legitimate case to be then say tournament team, especially because they don't have a great non-conference resume. And maybe the committee will factor in everything they went through this season with, with the coaching change. But it just see, it seems like it would be like a very, very long shot for them to make the tournament right now. But so now let's get to this Northwestern game tonight, um, Wednesday, a 9 o'clock tip at Northwestern. The last time these two teams played, it was Danny Mang's first game as the interim head coach since uh, Turgeon's departure. Maryland lost that one 67-61. Obviously, it was a much different Maryland team, a much different circumstance surrounding that game. It was an emotional game um, leading up to that and that game itself for Maryland. Um, so how is Maryland changed? Like, what are you expecting to see Maryland Maryland show tonight? And what? how have they changed? We, we know in terms of, you know, it was an emotional game against Northwestern, but how have they changed how their, their play style, um, maybe their attitude, every, how, how have they changed since that Northwestern game back on December 5th over a month ago? I think it's a lot about how their top players have started to play much more efficient basketball. Eric Ayala, Dante Scott, uh, Hakeem Hart, they've all really stepped up since that game. And I, it, would, it would be unwise of me not to expect that to continue against – Northwestern that has lost three straight. However, I, I am a little worried about this game because Northwestern just kept it close with Ohio State on the road. They lost, they put up 87 points against Ohio State on the road. And for a team like Maryland that hasn't necessarily been uh, a team that other programs fear defensively, I think that uh, it might be, it might be, it's a little worrisome for Maryland. I think the spread opened up at around like five in favor of. Northwestern and I think it's it's going to be within like a five-point game six-point game it's going to be close I'm not really sure which side I'm leaning to yet but I, I expect Maryland's top players are going to be playing much better than they did in that previous Northwestern game and that's probably going to be the biggest difference in this one and just Maryland's offense in general has looked at least when they're not going excluding the first 10 minutes of each game their offense has looked much better as of late so uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight really, and this Northwestern team they're eight and five. They're right now in a much better spot than Maryland to make the tournament. So I expect Northwestern is going to come out desperate in this game. They see this, I'm sure, as a game that they need to win as well, especially with a road matchup with Michigan State coming up for Northwestern, a home matchup against Wisconsin, and an away matchup against Purdue. They also have a very tough schedule coming up. So this is one of their winnable games, and both teams are extremely desperate for a win. It's going to be a, a really tight battle. Yeah, I think that Maryland was also just statistically shooting much poorer at that point in the season. They were not – they hadn't quite yet found their stride, and it was – that was kind of the narrative of the season at that point. It wasn't the slow starts, but it was that Maryland just could not sink any of their shots, and they really struggled with that against um, – Northwestern I was looking before I think they shot like well under or under 30 percent from the field in that game and we're really struggling to get anything going there they've since improved on that and I also think regardless of the coach or um not looking at the coaching change per se but the team has also found a way to gel a little bit more on the court which is something that they were talking about at that point 
Um, they still talk about it, but it seems like they've gelled a bit more. They're, they play a little bit more cohesively. There's more of a kind of rhythm that they've gotten into. Part of that probably has to do with them kind of tightening up the scoring. But I think that since Northwestern, in addition to kind of continuously going through adversity, picking up some more wins, but also dropping some close games, Maryland has just improved a lot as kind of the way that they're playing and their kind of style of play as well. Yeah. And, you know, like, it, it seemed like an impossible task for Maryland to win that game back on December 5th. You know, they had, like, 48 hours before, they had an emotional team meeting where Turgeon announced, um, obviously, that he was leaving. And then, you know, they had emotional practices, emotional meetings since then. There was individual meetings. There was a bunch, a lot of things going on for this, for this Maryland team where it felt like away from the basketball court. So it felt like an impossible task for Maryland to come out with a win there. And obviously, they kept it close but they didn't. But in terms of this matchup night, Maryland's the better team. You know, Northwestern's in a similar spot where they've also lost three in a row in the Big Ten. And, you know, both teams trying to make their mark on this conference. But Maryland's a better team. We were talking earlier about, you know, if Maryland, is their, is their playoff hopes lies that their season's done. If they lose tonight, the season is officially done. I mean, <laughs> it, it would be a really bad loss against one of the worst teams in the – Maryland might be there too, but it's, they're definitely towards the bottom of the Big Ten Northwestern is. Um, so it would be a very bad loss. I don't really understand how Northwestern's favored, especially when Maryland, Vegas had Maryland favored against Wisconsin, and, and Vegas was very sharp on that. I don't really understand how Northwestern's favored in this because I think Maryland's the better team, especially five points. I certainly expect Maryland to come out with energy. You know, there's not a lot of games where you can go at, where you can look at their schedule and be like, we should win, especially in the Big Ten. This is a game where I look at Maryland, and I'm like, they should win this game, despite what the line says when they're five-point underdogs. But so I expect a Maryland win. We'll get to our favorite segment of the show always, the score predictions. Again, 9 o'clock tip tonight, Maryland at Northwestern. Uh, Dylan, we can start with you. Can you give us a score prediction? I sure can. It's, it's definitely my favorite part of the show. Um, I'm usually pessimistic, but today I'm going, yes, to, be you are. I'm going to be optimistic today. I'm wow. going to mm, 75-70 Maryland. 73-68 Maryland. I write yeah. it down. That's how I get them. Because oh, okay. I have to think about it. So I'm <laughs> prepared. I learn from football. That's how they come quickly because I write them down beforehand. So that was my guess. Optimistic Dylan might be a bad sign actually for Maryland. But I also have it, I had it being a five-point game in Maryland's favor. We all think Maryland's going to win tonight. Again, it would be a really, really bad loss. If they didn't, I'm going to go with 71-66. to 66. So all very, very similar score predictions that we have we expect it to be in that high 60 low 70 range we'll, we'll see you know again it's a much different uh, Maryland team when they played Northwestern and like you guys touched on their stars are playing much better Eric Ayala and Dante Scott so that's a nine o'clock tip tonight of course we'll have that coverage for you and you know that that's our show today thank you for tuning in this has been the Testudo Times podcast on the Testudo Times podcast network have a great Wednesday and we'll see you next week